Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Listen, my friends, how do we create a winning culture combining 21st century leadership with old school principles? That's the big question. And that's the one question we'll ask Steve White today. He's the president and special counsel to the CEO at Comcast Cable. And he's also here today to discuss his journey to reach the American dream. Seven tips for discovering your purpose and why getting fired was the best thing that happened to him. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Jeffrey. I'm so honored to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me today. You bet. I can't wait to start talking about how we got fired because I've done that a couple of different times and I imagine <laughs> a couple more before this is over with. You know, culture has become more than a buzzword. Now it's even being used as a recruiting tool. How does a business create a winning culture? Because it's a lot more than pushball tables in the break room and summer Fridays, right? Yeah, it's such a good question, Jeffrey. Everything starts with defining it because culture can take you a lot of different places, but we know a winning culture with the right people is the key to success. So the first thing you have to do is define it. What kind of organization are you trying to create? What is it that you want this company to be, as they say, when it grows up? And now you can start putting systems and practices in place that align with that culture. The second piece is, You've got to hire people that believe in that kind of culture. They believe in those traits and they believe in trying to create that environment for the entire organization. So that's how you start it. And then number three, you have to have regular checkpoints along the way. Let's call them truth tellers mm-hmm. that'll put a mirror up to the company to say, are we living our values? Are we creating that culture? And then number four is constantly reinventing and adjusting, staying true to your core, but adjusting and uh, to reflect the needs of the organization. You know, Steve, for a long time, a lot of leaders were saying, hey, it's my way or the highway. I mean, there was a lot of way the business was built that way. How should we be creating an organization of inclusiveness through purpose? Well, I think everything starts bottom up, Jeffrey, but let me just be clear. Leaders cannot delegate leadership. So I'm going to use an analogy here. The leader gets to decide where we're going. So if the leader says we're going to Miami, that's critical. I cannot delegate that responsibility. So let's be very clear about it. But here's how we get all the voices in the room. I didn't say how we were going to get to Miami. Are we going to drive? Are we going to catch a bus? Are we going to hitchhike? That's where you can create an inclusive environment by getting input from how we get to Miami. And that's how I believe the steps to creating a more inclusive organization starts. Now everyone feels like an owner, not a renter, Jeffrey, in the enterprise. And when you get everyone thinking like an owner, that creates a very, very special environment. So I'm gonna follow up with that one because the workplace has evolved so much in recent years. What's the best way to lead our teams with purpose and intentionality? Well, the first thing is you've got to identify and communicate over and over. What is your purpose? Why do we exist? Every company exists for a reason. Jeffrey, one of my favorite quotes is a Mark Twain quote. 
The two most important days in your life is the day you're born. The second is when you know why. Same thing for a business, the day you're born. And the second is why are you in business? And then taking that purpose and connecting that to your teammates in a way, in an authentic way where they can understand it and then helping them understand how their individual purpose connects with that company. And so when you do that, understand you might lose a few people along the way because they're saying that's not the purpose I want to be tied to. And that's okay. It's better to find that out early than too late. So everything starts with you defining your purpose and then helping your teammates understand how their individual purpose connects to the bigger picture. But the two most important days in the life of a company, the day you're born, the second is when you really understand why. Yeah, I love that. In fact, we talk about it in the C-suite of, you know, what problem are we solving? You know, that why or how, you know, I, I love that. You know, we're, you know, we're hearing a lot about what we call the great resignation. And a lot of people saying we're currently living in it. I like to refer to it as the great transformation. I like to put a little positive spin on it, not the negative side of that, because I think that's what really people are doing. They're finding their purpose, what they want to do, where they want to go. And they're just saying, look, I'm not doing that anymore. So how are we to cultivate greater employee retention as part of this great resignation or great transformation? Yeah, that's such a great point. I call it the great reset. So you and I are on the same page. I call it the great reset. High five. Like, we'll do some high yeah, five. There you go. High <laughs> five. You're, I, I love the way you're thinking here. But I like yours, transformation. Well, I got to tell you, I stole it from somebody. I can't, but I'll take it as mine. I'll take credit for it. What the heck? That's, you're, you're perfect. It's a free will country. But I think everything starts with building a level of trust with your relationship. I often get asked, Jeffrey, Steve, how do you lead 30,000 men and women? Well, first of all, you can't. I have to focus on my circle of influence, my top 16 leaders, my top 100 leaders. How do I make sure I'm in tune with what is their interest? What is their goal? And how do I find out what is their purpose? And then when I can now connect the company's purpose to what they're doing, that's how you create greater retention. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of people working from home that don't wanna go back and they don't wanna go back because they're not truly connected to that company. Start with what is it they're trying to accomplish? What are your hopes and dreams? What is it you're trying to do? And how do you think our enterprise can help you uh, reach your goal? Here's the point I wanna make on that, Jeffrey. I often refer to myself as a business. I tell people often, I am CEO and chairman of Steve White Incorporated. I have two shareholders, my wife and my nine-year-old son, and maybe there's a dog coming along, so there'll be a half a shareholder coming along, but every organization has to treat every employee that way. What is your company? What are you trying to accomplish? And when you start having that relationship with your teammates, talking about their company and their interests, now you can begin the dialogue to what's important to them, and then you can start talking about how you can create a relationship where they never want to leave your company. But, but remember, everything starts with, I'm a business, and how can I best serve my business? And that's what employers need to start thinking about their employees as individual businesses. C-Suite Radio. You know, a lot of people talked about uh, when it goes back to normal. You know, and there's no, never been a normal. I've never known normal period but we said we, we kind of referred to it like going back to the office are you back in the office no you... we're not we're starting to bring people back but but guess what it's not going to be normal we're going to a very flexible schedule where there might be three days on two days off 
Every awesome. organization is thinking about it differently, but here's where companies have to be very careful. But let's take Comcast as an example. We have a large frontline population. Let's take our technicians that are out in the field, out in the home. Well, they don't get the option to work from home. So yeah. as, you, as you develop these policies, you've got to ensure that you don't create a have and have not culture within your organization. You have to think very smartly about how you go about doing this and not just saying, let's be flexible to be flexible. What is your vision? What are you trying to accomplish? And how do you make it in a way that it works for everyone in the organization, not just for the men and women that might be doing administrative things within what I call a four-wall uh, four office? By the way, which do you prefer, going in the office or working from home? I'm old school. I prefer being in the office. And I think this is what's really important, particularly, Jeffrey, as we talk about culture. It is difficult to create culture over Zoom calls. You yeah, can do your best. There's something about being one-on-one yeah. -on -one in meetings. And think about this. If you're a young leader, one of the ways I develop just being in the room with the CEO or the division president or the senior vice president as a young leader, just soaking it in yeah. is so critical. You can't do it. So I advise people where possible, try to get back to the office with some flexibility, but boy, don't miss out on the opportunity. And if you're a leader trying to decide what you like because you have the option, try to get as much face time as possible. It's not about being political. It is about developing, growing, and learning. It's an old saying, out of sight is out of mind. And that that's exactly right. In the corporate world, I mean, folks, I don't care whether you're working from home or working you know, in the office. If you're out of sight, you're out of mind. You want that face time. You know, and I had a guest last week who was talking about how lonely we are, that we're actually seeing a lot of people who are feeling very lonely, even when they're in the office. But and that gets back to inclusiveness. Well, let me ask you a question about characteristics you look for when you hire someone. Who, what do you look for? Well, certainly I look for functional competence, but here are three things that I want on my team all the time. Number one, I want somebody who's team oriented. If it's about you, boy, you're not going to do well on my team. Are you team oriented? Do you get just as much satisfaction as the team succeeding as you do as an individual? Number two, and I call this being smart, and I'm not talking about valedictorian smart. But really successful executives, Jeffrey, they have a natural curiosity. They're always saying, can we do this better? Is there another layer to this? Let's not stick here. Can we push further? There's, there's a natural curiosity. I call it curiosity with smarts. And then number three, I like having a good chip on my shoulder. I want people that are hungry on my team. And Jeffrey, they're not competing against someone else. They're competing against themselves. So every night before they go to bed, they can look in the mirror and they know if they've given it all. So when you have men and women on your team that are smart, team-oriented, and they're competing against themselves because they want to prove to themselves they can reach their full potential, now you've got the makings of a very special team. And then you can bring in the functional capability and competence. I always look for that second. I look for those core traits first, then I'll start worrying about the functional capability. And so as you're, as our listeners think about new jobs or trying to be better in their job, think about those core traits because that ultimately is what separates folks that go up the ladder versus the ones that stay stagnant. So job promotion isn't something that comes as often as it did in years past. I mean, listen, for a lot of us, we were lucky to survive. And quite frankly, 
uh, as I said to our own team and to many other teams, you're lucky to have a job because of what we went through. It was very tough for people. So if you're not getting promoted, can anything be done to rectify that? I think you talk about five steps of getting back on track or something. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the most important things, Jeffrey, is you have to start redefining what promotion is all about. Promotion is not about just going straight up the ladder. It is about creating these other opportunities to gain experience because ultimately the leaders that get to the top, they've accumulated a level of experiences and different job responsibilities that make them more attractive for the big jobs. So don't look at promotions as straight up. Look at promotions as opportunities to expand your skill set so you can develop and get to the next level. So as I look at your journey, and it's an incredible journey, something you referred to as from the projects to president. Can you describe that journey for us? How did you reach your version of the American dream? Well, I tell people I was the perfect uh, setup to be a victim. Single mother, housing projects of Indianapolis, raised four boys, eighth grade education, cleaning motel rooms. Uh, but along the way there, Jeffrey, there's so many people that gave me a hand up, not a handout. That's different. A hand up is an opportunity to really display your real talents and skills. And so one of the key characteristics we all need to bring is to be present. Opportunities are always coming our way, but we have to be present. We have to be in the moment to recognize when those opportunities are presented to ourselves. And then the second one is there are only two things you can control, attitude and effort. Score an A plus in those two areas, I promise you, executives and other leaders will be attracted to you. And that will be the opportunity to display what you really bring to the table. I love how we reach back down. There was a famous actor who once said, once you get to the top, you got to remember to send the elevator back down for everybody else. And That's it kind of gets to my next question because how you grew up affects how you raise your son. So what are you looking to instill in him? What are you setting down that nine-year-old and starting to do so that you know, what's in you gets to him. Well, number one is you, you lead by being a great role model. One of the interesting things about the pandemic is my nine-year-old could see me working at home. So he would wake up in the morning, see his dad in the office. He would come home after school and get ready to go to bed. His dad is still working there in the office. And it was his first real exposure from a role modeling standpoint to see what real work is like. And he and, he, and that created a lot of conversation with him. Well, why are you doing it this way? What, what are you doing this way? The second is setting expectations. I shared the story. I was at Harvard Business School about five years ago. I called my wife up and I said, hey, what size T-shirt does my son wear? But guess what, Jeffrey? I ended up buying seven or eight different types of shirts, all different sizes. So four years later, he's still wearing Harvard Business School T-shirts. Now, whether he goes to Harvard or not, that's not the point. The point is, We've now set expectations that higher education is not something to think about. It is assumed. And he's now already thinking about, Dad, when I go to Harvard, do I have to become a Boston Celtic fan? I said, no, we hate them. No, just kidding. Huh. Hey, you, you have know. to. What are you kidding me? You got to be a Celtic <laughs> fan if you're a Boston. <laughs> but he's already talking, do I have to become a Celtic fan? But the expectations have been set. So role modeling, setting a, key, a clear set of expectations, and they're really talking about you know, what's important. So unlike my life, he is starting on third base. When I was growing up, I didn't even know there was a game being played. I didn't even know where the arena is. 
So we're now teaching him that you're on third base. Now your responsibility is how do you get to home base and around the bases, but bring others along and just really instilling those basic values. By the way, my producer's whispering in my ear about Boston. It says it can't be a Boston Red Sox fan. It has to be a Yankees fan. There you go. There you we go. In, we got to bring in these rivals wherever we can. C-Suite Radio. You're also, you've also talked about discovering your purpose. What are your seven tips or as many tips as we can squeeze in for doing that? Well, the book is called Uncompromising, and it really focuses on uh, living your purpose. So step number one is you got to find your purpose. The two most important days of your life, as we talked about, is the day you're born. The second is why. So understanding why you were placed on this earth. Number two is focus on the real prize. There are a lot of distractions out there, Jeffrey. How do you stay uniquely focused on your purpose? And that's where the title uncompromising comes in. Number three, live life as a learning lab. If you're not winning, you're learning. There's no such thing as losing. How do you continue to hone your craft and live your life as a learning lab? Number four, we talked about this think and act like a business. I'm Steve White Incorporated. So how do I think about my life and my career as my own business? And how do I develop it and grow it? Number five is how do you own your attitude and effort? I talked about several stories that will hopefully inspire readers. Number six is getting comfortable with navigating uncertainty. Life is full of uncertainty. There's no straight line to success, Jeffrey. You and I talked about getting fired one or two times. So there's no straight line to success, but getting comfortable with navigating uncertainty. And then finally, commit to what I call road dog relationships. None of us get to this point without the help of others. Develop those unique relationships, what I call truth tellers, that will help you stay on your path to success. Speaking of someone who helped you, who was that? Who was one of those people for you? Well, there are too many to mention. Certainly my mother helped me from a foundational standpoint. My lovely wife, Barbita, has been there every step along the way. We've moved 11 times in my corporate career. So having people like that by your side that are truth tellers, that are supporting you, and Jeffrey, where they see things in you that sometimes you don't even see in yourself, having those road dogs around you are critical to your success. I love that. You, you mentioned just a minute ago, one of the tips was running our life like a business. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so let's think about it. When, a, when you think about a company like Comcast or any business, they have long-term plans. They have a clear mission statement. They have clear values. Uh, they invest in their business for the long-term. They don't make short-term decisions. So take the same mindset to your own career. How do you think long-term? Don't think short-term. How do you develop a strategic plan? What are your values? What are your mission? So just like a company would go about doing it, you start thinking about yourself as a company and that's how you approach it. The other thing is when companies face heartache or challenges, they don't get emotional, they get very calm and they think very long-term. So if you're in a situation like you and I talked about our situation of getting fired, we could have, we could have turned that into a very negative situation. We tried to turn that into fuel to drive our future career. So think about your life as a business. It'll help you think more objectively, more long-term. And those are the individual businesses that are still relevant and survive. And getting fired, it's just helping to set conditions of satisfaction. You got to have a little bit of debate. You might've pushed a little too far. I didn't push it enough. Who knows what, but that's a great way of being able to do it. We also talk about in our hero club and a big part of that is giving back and paying it forward. And those are two values that you live by. How are you paying it forward? Well, number one is when you think about 
uh, your own career, how do you develop the next set of leaders? One of the things I was most proud of when I moved over from being president of Comcast West to special counsel to our CEO, one of the gentlemen that worked for me for 10 years uh, moved into that job. So always constantly think about how are you developing the next generation of leaders? There are a couple of organizations I'm involved with, new leaders, where we focus on the leadership and development of public school principals, because we know, Jeffrey, and you know, that education is critical for the next generation if we expect them to continue to take this country to the next level. So focusing in areas like that, I serve as executive in residence at Denver University, where I'm helping young people and we're really focusing on leading with ethics. Uh, because that you would think, why, how do I, why do I have to teach people about ethics? Well, I don't need to tell you, you know what's happening in the world. So really focusing in those areas have helped us be very, very successful. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of fraud out there, especially in a lot of executive positions, which is unfortunate. So you have a book out that's called Uncompromising, How an Unwavering Commitment to Your Why Leads to an Impactful Life and Lasting Legacy. And it's in that uncompromising is what you say is staying true to yourself. So what is important to you? Well, what's important to me is my why is how do I create a table of prosperity for as many people as possible? Because one of the reasons I got fired early on in my career, I was leading my first team and I thought it was all about me. I thought my purpose and why was to create an environment for my family so they could be successful, they could get out of poverty. But I realized that my real purpose was serving others. That's how you create uh, you know, great success. And so I got fired. And fortunately, one of my mentors hired me, brought me in and really demonstrated to me, how do you create an environment of inclusiveness as well as caring for your people? And then once I started focusing there, Jeffrey, it's amazing what happened in my career. I'll give you one quick story. Uh, I was part of a takeover a company, took us over of the top 50 executives, 48 got fired, only two remained. I was one of those. And I asked them after they made me an offer, why me? You, you were going in a different direction. They said, Steve, we were going to fire you. But the more and more we talked to the employees, they kept talking about, yes, these are things are not right. But let me tell you about Steve White. And after about five or six conversations that opened their eyes and said, well, maybe we should give Steve White another look. And that's what happens. So if you want to get promoted, you can't do it yourself. Your people have to push you up. That's how you get elevated. That is how you got noticed. And that's what happened for me. You know, I always like to delve into people's background a little bit too, if I can, Steve, because you said you moved like 11 times. I know what that's like. My father was in the military. We did that. And then all of my career, I have continued gone to one place after another. But I always use South Dakota as my base and home and always had a place to come back here. Tell me a little bit about the progression. Where, where did you start? And then how did you get to where you're at? Because a lot of people think it's a lot shorter and it's usually a pretty long road. Well, I always start with uh, Indiana University because until my junior year in high school, college was not even something that was in the realm of possibilities until people started asking me about it and teachers and instructors. And I started to believe that I could go on. I was the first in my family to go, but I went to Indiana University, majored in journalism and business. Uh, I decided I wanted to make a little bit more money than what journalism offered. And I started working with a company called American Hospital Supply. And most good companies, they start off new executives carrying a sales bag. If you can survive selling the products, knowing the product, understanding the product, convincing others to buy the product, 
what a great way to come into the company. And that's how I got started. So from American Hospital Supply to Pepsi to Colgate-Palmolive, and I've been in the cable industry for the last 22 years. And at the time, cable was considered the wild, wild west. But can you imagine a world today, Jeffrey, where we didn't have broadband? We didn't have video. So I got in at the right time. And I was part of an industry that really has reinvented itself and really made a difference in everyday life. What kind of lasting legacy do you want to leave behind? Well, I love, the, I love this quote uh, that we all die twice, Jeffrey, the day that somebody puts us away in a grave or a mausoleum. The second is the last day that somebody mentions our name. I think mm -hmm. we should all strive long after we're gone people are still mentioning our name in a very positive way. So my hope is that the fruit, based on the seeds that I planted are on multiple trees and people are still mentioning my name 30, 40, 50 years after I'm gone because I made a small impact in their life. And so that's my greatest hope. Uh, that's well said. Well, and I, I wish you the best in that. And thanks so much for being right here with us on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio, C-Suite TV. Great. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's been an honor. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. Well, the big question was really about what problem we're solving. Now, he talked about it in terms of values and purpose. But as a business, we really have our birth, not only when we start, but when we figure out what problem we're solving. And that's a question that each of us needs to learn in our business every day. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, right here on C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on C-Suite Radio. Com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.